Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. How can I find the stability needed for long-term success? By investing with the world's largest active fund manager who oversees over 2.3 trillion US dollars worldwide, adapting and growing across the globe with more than 340 long-standing portfolio managers and analysts that have earned unrivaled access to the companies they invest in. Can I find a firm that values long-term stability like I do? With Capital Group, I can. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I'm joined by executive coach and accountability partner, Gordon Jenkins. Welcome. Welcome, Fraser. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, which has got uh, one of the best business names I've ever heard. (laughs) Well, I always say there's only three Gordon Jenkins in the world. One's one's a famous composer, he's dead, and the other one is in jail for money laundering, and the third one's me. So... (laughs) (laughs) that's all we need to know um so look i'm very simply i'm a executive coach mentor whatever you want to call me at the end of the day i support people to break through that plateau and make a real difference to both their professional and personal journey in a quite a unconventional but very practical way yep yep now speaking of unconventional we'll, we'll explore this uh in, in a second because <laughs> uh, it's certainly something that uh, you probably use that word a little bit um yep. tell me about the business name i am gordon jenkins so i have had several different names go from i started off with a visible guy you know the invisible guy then it became the visible guy and i try to be too clever to be honest i was always trying to be when you look at a brand you want to be you know, you, you want to make an impact and how it does. And I was always trying to be too clever, too clever. And um, it was actually through a a client of mine. So I think someone you've had before, Nicola Beswick, on the call before. And Nicola introduced me to her personal branding uh, team, a lady called Colette Worden. And I sat down with Colette and I just started talking about what I do and who I am, not just within the executive coach, but in life. And um, wanted Gordon Jenkins, but couldn't get Gordon Jenkins because of the composer. So stuck with I am Gordon Jenkins, and it is it's a conversation piece because people when you fill out forms, you go your name Gordon Jenkins, and on your name badge it says I am Gordon Jenkins, and people go no that's I know that's who you are, so no no that's my name. So it's out there, and it's part of my brand, and it's become a it's a quite a powerful name in the terms of what it actually stands for. And I am for the first time in probably twenty odd years, in or oh, fifty one years on, I would say probably forty years. I'm actually proud to say tell people that I am Gordon Jenkins. It's it's just got a nice ringtone to it, um, and you use it all the time. Fantastic, uh, yeah. So it's very interesting, and you're right. You know, on a name badge, it uh, it does it works really well on a name badge when you're networking, which we'll get to, yes. which we'll get to in this conversation. But before we do, I want to I want you to go back in time. I want let's go back and talk about your journey because um, it's a it's a really interesting story. Obviously, from school uh, through to uh, your career. Sure. Um, we'll try to cut this down from being a... Um, yeah. yeah, let's get the, abbrevi- the abbreviated from being, version. From being a five-day. Yeah. So what I want to say is that this is my story, and we're often scared of telling our stories, but we have to understand that this is my story. And I'm not saying it's better or worse 
than anyone else. But I want to explain that during the story, there's there's been some inflection points, which now I understand those inflection points, and it's who I created today. So as a kid at school, I was bullied daily. I was bullied three times a day at school. And I was also told I was dumb, stupid. I had trouble learning very difficultly in terms of speaking, because I've got a funny accent apparently, but definitely reading and writing. But I was a mathematical genius. I was a bit like a goodwill hunting type genius in mathematics. But it wasn't until I finished my university degree that I got diagnosed with dyslexia. So when I understand, and I've only just really understood what dyslexia was, but I, I refused to let my disability define me. And because I was never the smartest kid on the block, when I was applying for a job, there's 15,000 students or graduates going for a job and there's Gordon. And I don't have straight A's. So I always had to differentiate myself quite quickly in a way of not applying for a job that normal people would do. Um, I, I managed to complete a degree of applied science. I spent 25 years in the corporate world. I climbed, I climbed the corporate ladder, became a C-suite executive of a large global financial firm, CEO of a large financial services firm, responsible for multi-million dollar budget, um, budgets, large international teams. I transformed organizations, team culture, grow your network, boost the bottom line. Sounds really fantastic. But I really wasn't happy. I really wasn't happy. And then on the 18th of December, 2006, and it's funny how these dates stand in your mind. I can actually tell you it was 2 a.m. in the morning. The 18th of December, uh, my career, my corporate career, my gravy train was cut short. Wendy, my wife, went in for a double lung transplant. And we were told that she had less than two years to live. And then overnight, I went from a global CEO to a full-time carer. Um, and mentally, that was very difficult because everyone suddenly went, how's Wendy, how's Wendy, how's Wendy? But no one actually asked, how's Gordon? It was always, how's Wendy? And even today, even through lockdown, and I've just come out of quarantine, no one's actually asked me how I'm doing. Everyone said, how's Wendy? I'm going, yeah, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. So the whole experience has made me realize that it's it's really important to make every day count. Uh, no matter how successful, influential, wealthy you are, if life isn't filled with what you're doing and what you love, and surrounded with the people you love, it really doesn't make any difference. It makes no difference whatsoever. So we don't have any material things in our life at all at the moment. So my life experience are good and bad. Um, I've influenced unconventional strategies. I've adopted this to fuel my own growth and that of my clients and the network and the echoes. And I talk about ecosystems, the people around me. The adversity I faced has has probably made me the champion of the underdog. I'm not, I'm not an Olympic champion. I never will be an Olympic champion. I'm the type of person that when you see these Olympic champions on stage, I'm eating a burger and fries. I'm going, I'm not going to get up at four o'clock in the morning. All right. <laughs> but what I have done is realized that we've got, to, I'm a strong advocate for celebrating our diversity and our individuality. And that's, that's what I am today. And yeah, you know, we talked about it off screen before. I just do what my mom and dad have always taught me to do. God bless the souls are not here today. Is be me, have respect for each other, Go out and do your best. And as long as you can do your best every single day, the rest of it will take care of it. Yep. Now, thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. I know that's uh, that's a uh, you know a, a great journey and a, a great story. And there's obviously um, some fairly heavy, deep emotional parts to it, um, which which really do shape the human you are and shape the way that you, and the reasoning why you coach the way you coach and you 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 work with the people that you work with. 
I love the uh, the the uh, you know the Olympic um, Olympian conversation. Uh, you might not be the uh, Ariana Titmus winning the gold medal, but you're the coach in the stands doing the uh, doing the doing <laughs> the fist bumps, right? Yeah. Uh, so 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 you do, and uh, and and everything we're sort of going to talk about today, all the different topics that um, I've got noted down that I want to discuss with you, um, are kind of shaped by that story, which I think which was why I think it was good to to talk about that, and um, and uh, and certainly that motto of making every single day count um and you know, that, that comes back to that accountability um, do you want to hear my uh dyslexic uh my, my quick quickly my dyslexic joke Go on, Go, when life gives you melons you might be dyslexic <laughs> 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 sorry I'll, i mean lemons yeah um, you know, it's a good one, though. <laughs> I like that. uh let's talk about let's talk about the idea of coach and being coached because you say you're an executive coach but you're also you're also happy to be coached yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I was I was good at certain sports. Unfortunately, it's cool. I was good at sports that didn't make a lot of money, like badminton. I was never the greatest soccer player, but um, but I I captained the school badminton team way way before my time in terms of age or ability, and that's really important. A great leader and a great coach is not the best at what they do. They just know how to get the best out of other people. And that's, that's different. So I know what I'm good at. I'm good at business and personal growth and networking. My wife and my accountant will tell me I'm not very good at operations. <laughs> that's why I love doing podcasts because all I have to do is speak and someone else does all the work. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. So, you know, when I think about – so take away the school. When I came and I worked at UBS and there was a role came up to head up the products team, um, it's a role I wanted. It's a role I think I could get. But there's an important factor on that. I needed the operations people on my side and I needed the advisors on my side. So I knew I wasn't going to apply for the job. So my interview was by going out and having lunches with the CEO and the chairman. But I actually went and went and asked the, the chief operating officer of the business if they would mentor me because this is a role I think I can add real value to. Then I went, and it's something I talk about my chicken list, to the worst advisor in the room, so there's 300 advisors, the worst, and when I say the worst, not the worst person giving advice, but the one who's probably got the worst attitude, and, and ask and them. So, so how do you find that worst advice? Did you ask them all to line up in a, in a row and, and put themselves oh, in a row? They, they, they stand out. <laughs> they, they stand out. And then went to him and asked him if he would support me. And that was probably my first time of having a unpaid coach mentor, and I don't differentiate between what a coach and a mentor does. I know it might upset a few people. And then I started building an ecosystem. And I think when Wendy went sick, what I realized is that I need my own support network. So I talk about flying out. My, my, I've got a system about being on the plane in the airport system. But, you know, you can't fly a plane unless it's got fuel, unless it's got the baggage, unless the control tower says it's okay to fly. So I think in life that we've got to surround ourselves with that ecosystem around us. And Americans are really good at this. So I've got a personal branding coach. I've got a, I'm happy to say I've got a psychologist who's an amazing, it's actually someone that my wife used for PTSD. Then we went together and now I use them more often than my wife does. So absolutely brilliant at call. I've got a dietitian as we're talking about who will find out about making bacon roll I had this morning, <laughs> who keeps me highly accountable. Uh, so I've got those. Um, I've got a branding coach. And I've got a personal coach. Now I've got another num- number, and then I've got another series of coaches who are actually my clients who keep me accountable 
to what I say that I'm going that I'm telling them to do. So if I, I can't tell them to do or suggest they to do something if I'm not prepared to do it myself. So the whole thing about coaching, I would say that anyone in life and you know those for me and my business, me and my where I am at the moment, those people I don't differentiate between work and life. I just live. But that people around me, they are I am who I am today, partly because of those people in my life. Yep. I, I there's a phrase that, you know, when you climb the ladder, never forget those who built the ladder that you're now on top of. And that's really important to me. Yep. And the, and the reason I wanted to make this a, a fairly top, a fairly uh, topic of conversation fairly early on was in my view, what you're doing with your clients is, is very similar to what financial advisors are doing with their clients. And, you know, and, and that, that concept of having a support network or a team around you of people that can help you and guide you and make sure that you're, you know, the, the guardrails and dancing off them when you start to get, go outside the, the, you know, the outside the rails. Uh, but then also that conversation around your clients are also your coach is really important. I think that's, that's something that advisors can try on or, you know, put that hat on when it comes to, you know, how they're, you know, their clients being their coach as well. Absolutely. You know, when I started off in financial services, it shows how long ago it was, KYC, know your client had just come out in the AML. And in Australia, it was very much approach, oh, you know, this is this is compliance, this is compliance. And, you know, thankfully it was at UBS. But if you take an approach of actually having a conversation with the client, other than just doing financial investments and actually taking knowledge on what's happening to those clients, you know, there's numerous occasions where I was getting phone calls from clients because they're about to make a business transaction or they're about to get separated from the partner and they wanted to know what would happen to the investments, how that would work. We want to let you know, when do we know? Or, you know, my um, my mother's dying, just let you know that, you know, we might be doing this day and I'm going, okay, there's $16 million coming out of the account here. Have we got the next succession plan already in place? Right? Do we know everyone? So the whole KYC is not yes, it's there from a compliance perspective, but the whole purpose of it is so you know your clients, you know their clients, you know what they're living because you want to be that financial, that trusted advisor where you are. Oh my God, I won't get out of bed without ringing up Gordon, or I'm not going to buy the boat without asking Gordon. I'm not going to buy the house without asking. Now it's not necessarily that Gordon, the financial advisor, is the person who will help me, but I trust Gordon that Gordon will know who to introduce me to that will be the best for me. So I never want the best accountant. I want the best accountant who can work with work with, and understand what I want. So yeah, so that's you know that that's that's the ecosystem and that's really important from a, from an advisor's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way that uh, you just sort of described that the idea of leaning into what what was known as a compliant thing, uh leaning into the reason behind that to actually say well how can we turn this into something that actually uh works well for the relationship. Um, now, one of the things I wanted to, uh, as we move through my list of things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, one of the things that you talk about uh, a lot is the idea around um, um, time. You know, like time is a big uh, a big aspect. And obviously, when you're an accountability coach, you're looking at both, you know, activities, uh, focus, mindset, but also around uh, time and diaries and how people are spending their time. Uh, how do you work with your clients around this? Phase? Um, so time only moves forward. Okay, and once we lost it, we never get it back. So let's move on. There are only 24 days, 24 hours in the day. So we, we fix the numbers. So I'm unconventional. So I don't do to-do lists. I do not to-do lists. Okay, and I have my own template and framework for not to-do list. Um, and you can Google not to-do list. But basically the way a not to-do list is, is you work out, you actually spend some time what you're doing. So the amount of times you get up and go for coffee, the amount of times you spend on emails, the amount of times you spend on coffee, 
calls. And you actually work out all these things you've got. You, you categorize them up into three different categories. When you go through the process, and you can do it in a day, but it works best over two weeks because you'll get you start to see some habits forming. You will, and I would guarantee that anyone that wants to go through this with me, you will save at least one hour a day. On average, when I do this program, and I run through this with people, if they get into the habits and they actually do the habits, they save around about $250,000 or $250,000, whichever one you want to put it into, a year in time, in lost time. So the really important thing is, so people say, yep, I've got to-do list. I've got things to do. So there's nothing more disappointing that when you're great, draw a list of 30 things you do, and you go home and you've still got a list of 20 things, and you come in the next day and you add another 15 things, you only do 10 things. There's nothing more disappointing than that. If you want to think about the positivity, the emotion, the positive mindset, you put three things on your piece of paper that you want to do, and you do nothing else until those three things are done. Nothing else. Once you scrub them off, you actually draw a line through it, and the, and the the positivity and the emotion you get when you actually draw a line to say it's completed. Once those three things are done, if it's past 12 o'clock, you add two things. Once those two things are done, gone, if it's past three o'clock, you add one thing, right? And you only add one at a time. You don't do anything else until that one thing is done. So it's just different <clears throat> mindset to me. When I did this in a financial services firm, and we talked about how the time was wasted. We worked out where time was being wasted and everything else. We calculated around about a $3 million in time wasted in the group. And we come, when I said, well, okay, what opportunities have you missed out that you haven't got? It worked out about $8 million in revenue that was not exercised or worked on because we were working on time because we had this time list. So it's really important that, you know, sometimes we go, oh, it's just easier for me to do it, then go back and ask someone else to do it or doing different things. And, you know, when I see good financial services firms or good professional services firms, when you ask for client information, you don't start the task until you've got all the client information. But it comes back to how you communicate that with the client. So when you've got all the client information, then you set it, then you set the target of when you're going to deliver. And this comes back to accountability. If I say to you, Fraser, I'm going to deliver a product for you on the 16th of October, right? That is the last day that you expect it i'm saying the 16th of october but i'm always going to deliver on the first right why because i've i've exceeded your expectations but because i committed on the 16th and i'm only starting the work when i've got all the pieces of paper on me right that's how i get that's how i get efficiencies that's how i'm always differentiate myself in a way as well so stop doing a to-do list and start doing a not to-do list I love the unconventional wisdom in that. That's uh, that's incredible. So, because you're absolutely right, you know, there's often things that pop up, and and I think uh, you know, like uh, we 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 know these things. Uh, we know we're not supposed to be checking email all the time, only at certain times of the day. Um, but yet, uh, habits are harder to break. And I think uh, I think that the idea of having a do not do or not to do list um, really brings that accountability, brings that um, mindfulness of those of those habits as they kick in. We are, we are, as humans, we are our worst enemy. For some reason, someone's read a book or someone, some psychologist or some coaching expert, which is funny me saying that, has told us that we've got to respond really quickly, that delivering a great service is responding quickly to an email. And quickly, we've said is we've got to drop everything now. Well, you know, having gone through what I've gone through, you know, unless you're dying, right? unless it's actually life or death, if you've got a really good relationship, I'm pretty sure it can take a half an hour, an hour, an hour. Just just think about it. Like if you're in a client meeting, you wouldn't stop that client meeting to respond to a client's email. 
so it can wait 45 minutes to an hour. Yep. Um, and just so, so just on this, because you mentioned the diary is a really interesting part. Go back and look at, look back in your diary for, for, for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, even a month, uh, and look at all those different particular tasks and um, that you did. Is that something you do as part of this, the, the course when you, you're not to do yeah. this? You look back so, in diaries? Uh, people have diaries. People have a number of different whatever, – whatever system you use. So I use – I just use – Google Mail or my Google Calendar because that's where that's where my life is. I go back at that and look at what happens on there. So even when I'm organizing, I mean, so I have my clients in a certain couple of days. I don't have anything on a Friday. I'm, I'm from the old school of long lunches, so I never had anything on a Friday because <laughs> you never know. <laughs> right? But I also got my own business. So when I started my own business, I determined that, hey, you don't want to hear from me on a Monday morning. You don't want to hear from me on a Friday afternoon. So that's my days to work on my on my business when I all just take time out. So yeah, we'll look at people's calendars and we'll look at, you know, and then and there's an accountability and I'm poking the bear. I'm going, but why are you doing it? Do you have to do it? Why is it being it? What's the purpose of it? Well, what happens if you don't do it? So it's often I talk about, you know, things like, you know, when people say we do a weekly, uh, a weekly newsletter and I go, great, what's your hit rate? And they go on oh, like 6% and I go, brilliant. And what's your bounce rate? Oh, about 96% or 95%. I go, oh yeah, I think we've got a problem here. I said, we well, just stop doing your weekly your, your weekly newsletter and see if anyone says and who says, hey, we haven't seen your weekly newsletter, right? If no one actually responds and says we haven't seen it or we missed it, if no one actually says that, then you're actually not adding value any value. Then work out, okay, well, that, what we're going to do with that time? How else can we do that time? So it's, 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 always, it's always testing. If everyone says, oh, crikey, we've missed your weekly newsletter, whereas you know it's got great demand. So then how do you build on it? So yes, we look at calendars. We look where people are using their time. And it's it's poking the bear, you know. I suppose from accountability perspective on my side, I I poke away. I'm a I'm a no BS guy. I'm not looking for the for the, the waffle. I actually want to know what is what's the purpose? Why are you doing? It? I'm not after the I'm not after the the activities. I'm after the outcome. Yep. Which now is this really important. This is a really interesting part because the, the no the no BS guy. I think uh, we sort of joked about this before. The, the the idea that you've heard all the corporate speak. You know, you know all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but the you, you're not looking for that. You're looking at the messaging underneath and the and the, the authentic human being underneath it. That's 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 what it is. So to me, it's uh, uh, actions speak louder than words. I'm after the. I'm always about the outcomes. It's a bit like you know when people go networking. You know, people say, "Oh, you got to go to networking event. You got to pick up business cards." Well, great, I picked up twenty business cards. Uh, I'm not interested in that. What I want to know is. Did you pick up the business cards from the people that you knew were going to be at the event and what's your next action? And people go, well, I didn't know who was at the event. I said, no, what you didn't do is you didn't find out who was going to be at the event before you turned up to ensure that your marketing your ta- was really targeted. And nor did you say to those people, hey, I'm going to be this event. It'd be really great if I could catch up for a drink with you. Now, that's real outcome. That's that's different to going to a network event and standing in the corner and saying, I just met a lot of other financial planners. Well, yeah, great. You know, financial planner met a financial planner. You got your six CPD hours in. That's <laughs> let's, it. <laughs> let's get stuck into this because I know you do a lot more stuff on networking. Talk, yeah. let, let's go into networking. The um, so you're absolutely right. You know, we go to we go to networking events. Look, I have to say sometimes when you advisors do get together, though, they actually and they start talking about different things. If you do get into that conversation that above the surface, how you're going? Great, you're busy. Yeah, I'm busy. We're all busy. Blah blah blah. Then you get under the line, how are you doing this? And you can actually start looking at some great problem-solving things if you've got problems, um, if that's what 
the event is about. Um, so talk to talk to me about what you and how you teach around um, networking. Sure. So so that's really important. What you said about networking, you know, so often you know I deal with a couple of financial services firms that look after extremely high net worth clients, and they often get, oh, can you look after my friend? And that friend doesn't fit your client base, but they fit the base, they fit the the demographics of another financial planning firm. So having those relationships are really important. That comes back to you always don't have to take on the client because it's a friend, it's what you what actually you take. So networking. So let me say this, and not everyone likes going to network events. And if you don't like going to network events, that's perfectly okay. Don't go. Which is really weird for me being a networker and say don't go to network events. So if you're not going to go to a network event, what else are you going to do? Because to do nothing is not the right thing. Some of the best networkers I know only go to network events today because they get paid to turn to go to network events. So if you take someone like a Gary Vee, hates networking, pay him $150,000, he'll turn up to a networking event. But doesn't really like going to network events. So if you're going to go to a network event, make sure, like you said, if you're going to go to one that's where there's other financial planners, you're not going to build business. You're going to learn, educate, develop, right? Find... Um, find your own, I suppose, your coaching, your networking group where you can lean off each other. And I think, you know, within the industry, um, the majority of us do share that information, don't find ourselves competitors, and we actually learn a lot from each other. So if you are going to go to a, if you're going to go to a network event, so if you're going to go to medicos or traders or something like that, just turn up as a financial planner or financial advisor. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb that they're here for business. So, how else are you going to penetrate that marketplace? So one of my big target markets for me personally is in the legal profession. I do a lot in the legal profession. Uh, about four years ago, I joined an association. It's called Women in Insolvency and Recovery. They have the best AFL grand final footy lunch evening. It's, it's just a, For me, it was, I, I joined it because I just wanted to do something for me because I'm a, my own business. I ended up joining the committee. I ended up joining the networking committee, surprising chair of the networking committee. And you know, we were talking offline that you know I actually won an award yesterday for male contributor change. But my approach to that association has always to give, never to receive. My intent is always to give more, to share more, to understand, to learn more, to actually be active in that networking group. So that's one way I do it. If you're going to go to a a network group where your target market is there. Hopefully, you can you know people beforehand, so you can go along. So you don't ever want to stand in the corner. But if you don't like going to network events, don't go. So there's other things. You know, most of you, you know, there'll be a lot of your listeners that will have kids at school. Are you actively involved in your school committees? Why? Because you're probably at the same age group as other kids' parents. And if you're at a private school, you probably can afford the private school fees. So you've probably got the same wealth. Okay, so get actively involved in why? Because when two kids play with two kids, when one kid plays with another kid, what happens? The parents start talking to each other, not about being a, an accountant or a financial player, but they introduce themselves to make sure that family that the child's playing with is from a good family. So you start talking about something about who you are, not what you are. So that's to join committees, join a charity, join a committee, um, get involved in podcast look at what your differentiation is you can just do linkedin i've got a linkedin marketing strategy okay i actually don't talk to anyone until someone engages through my linkedin messaging so networking can be a variety of different things it doesn't matter whether you're an an extrovert or an introvert it's about doing things on a very consistent basis so when we talk about that not to do list my timetable i've got a, a calendar 
where I've got eight things this week I'm doing regarding networking, and only one of them is a lunch. So I'm doing different things all the time, targeting different marketing pieces. So I've got a there's a free ebook I've got called Network with Purpose: Thirty Different Ways to Network. Right, out of that thirty different ways, there's probably five or six that anyone can adapt at any one time. They are uh, pandemic proof. So it doesn't matter that we're in a pandemic or it doesn't matter we're in lockdown. In fact, some of them actually work better that we're in a lockdown. So people can get that off of a website. It's a free, it's a free book. It's 20 odd pages and they'll look at it and they go, well, that's bloody obvious. I went, <laughs> yeah, it is bloody obvious, but it's so bloody obvious. You actually haven't done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes a lot of stuff's obvious. Sometimes a lot of stuff we do that works really well. And then we stop doing it because yeah. we, we sort of we get, we get a bit bored with that. Now it sort of works too well. I need to, I need to give myself a new challenge. So, so the whole, the whole thing about networking is you've got to be able to differentiate yourself other than price. Um, so I don't believe in elevated pitches. I do not believe in elevated pitches. The reason I don't believe in elevated pitches is because I don't like taking elevators. Is because an elevated pitch is a sell, and it gets you there for thirty seconds. But if I'm having a so when someone meets me, uh, you're expecting me to say to you how are you doing or what you do. Well, I never say that. The first question I ask is who made you smile this week, and the person goes, "Well, I've got my elevated pitch ready." I said I don't really care, but I want to know who made you smile. The second question I ask is, who did you make smile? I want to know who you are. I'm intrigued about who they who they are as a person. So networking can be a variety of different things. It can be whatever you want to be, but it has to suit your your DNA and who you and who you are. Yeah, I agree. I think it sort of needs to be uh, a bit more a bit more of that longer form. Um, this is who I am uh, versus um, you know just a quick quick uh, elevator pitch. Um, that's great. That, look, that ebook is a, is a great uh, resource, and if, if somebody wants to um, grab that, they should uh, go to your website. I am yep. Gordon yep. Jenkins, and um, and download that. Um, I, I have a saying about. Uh, networking events when I go to sometimes uh, sometimes I can be extroverted sometimes I can be introverted I'm kind of like sitting on the fence sometimes swing between the two but um, I like the idea that I'm going here you know I'm here to stand out not to fit in uh, is one of of my things and that's right you've got to you've got to know what your story so I I go in there and people say to me you know it says Gordon Jenkins it might say executive coach oh so what's your coach you know are you an executive coach well thank you for the bloody obvious and they said well what do you do I said well you've got a choice I can tell you about why I'm an executive coach. I can tell you why I wear odd shoes, because I, I always wear odd shoes, the blue shoes, but the very odd shoes. Or I can tell you why I carry a yellow rubber duck in my pocket. And I don't go anywhere without this yellow rubber duck. No one ever, ever asks me about an executive coach. But each story, each whatever they ask me, reverts back to who I am. And the idea at the end of it is they're so intrigued about who I am. They're actually compelled to actually find out more about me and go about me and do it. Now, sometimes if I bring someone with me to an event and they say, well, tell me what you do. I say, well, look, rather than me tell you what we do, let me introduce Nicola Fraser to you. And Fraser, why don't you explain what I do? Yep. And that's a great segue for someone else to validate who I am because they're going to tell you about their their own experience. They're not using my elevated pitch. Yeah. And they usually, usually yep. did without any BS as well. Yeah, yeah, you get their testimonial. And then we'll go into testimonials yep. in a moment. Um, but you're definitely uh, yeah, here to stand out, not to fit in type of person as well. <laughs> and I love, the, I love the concept that you mentioned earlier where you go to give. Right? You have that focus, I'm not here to – you go to give uh, and then you'll get something back later. It's, it comes a bit later. So I, I used to think about cash-rich, passion-poor. I say today I'm passion-rich, cash-poor. Not that I'm poor in cash, but I follow the passion of people and the rest will take care of itself. If I'm following the cash, 
my mindset is completely different. So follow yep. the passion of people yep. and the rest will naturally just occur. Yep. I think uh, I think if you say cash rich, passion poor, and then you say passion rich, you, you don't go back to cash poor. You, it, it, it just means cash stays yeah. rich. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's, we talked about, you mentioned a little bit around the ideas of price and fees uh, in the last, um, in the last yep. conversation there. Uh, talk to us about how you work with the advisors in this space. So like any advisor, like anyone in a service, if someone asks me, how much do I charge? I go, I understand why you may ask that, but I don't think we're actually fit. We actually don't think we're fit. So straight away, if someone asks me about how much do I charge, good chance that they're at their price hunting. And I'm not interested in price hunters. I don't know whether I'm cheap or expensive. I don't really care whether I'm cheap or expensive. What I do know is what I deliver and what I will, let's say guarantee in inverted commas because some things I can guarantee, but what I will deliver and what you can hold me accountable to. So if someone says to me, how much do you charge? I go back and said, I understand why you might want to ask that question, but that's the wrong question. But you know, I don't think you're the right client for me. Now, they often say, but I think I am. So let's get price. I have, so it sounds like I've got double standards here. I always negotiate in price if I'm the buyer. <laughs> I'm not buying a car. Have I've just habits. Moved yeah. I've just moved into, well, they moved into service offices. I'm not paying the rack rate. Right? I know there's a deal. I, I know in Melbourne right now, there's a deal to be made on commercial property. Okay. No matter what rate is advertised. Um, so if you are marketing yourself, being out there in a memorable and intriguing way, people will never ask you about price. So, what is really important is that there's a change happened in the last 18 months regarding how consumer, about consumer behavior. About 95%, 94%, I think McKinsey did a report earlier this year, of consumer behavior is decided on before they even speak to you. It's done on the web. And your language on the web will determine whether someone, if someone sees the language on the web and then comes on digital and then connects with you, they're not really after price. We think they want price and we think it have to be price. Um, I have never worked for a price conscious business. Now, I've worked for accountants and I've been a CEO of an accounting a professional services firm that had accountant works in six minute slots and trying to get them to think about that's a cost, not a value add is a different metric. So, don't get, first of all, get the mindset of not have a conversation about cost. If your cost, if your service fee, is totally is only related on the fact that you're going to provide investment advice. You've got very little bargaining power. But then just think about what value add you can add on top of that. You can bring the client into seminars. If it's if you're dealing with business clients, you can bring them into a business networking, internal business networking lunches. You can <laughs> take them to events. It's about how you if you've got a a couple or household coming through and it's only the one of the partners coming through how do you engage the other partner as well so you've got to think about your activities and what you're doing on a consistent basis other than other than price if it's if you're trading you know and i would always go to this to the point now in australia that i actually don't think stock picking or trading is is a value add because anyone can do it now because there's so much research that you can get out there right now so what is the value add that you're going to provide other than price when discretionary portfolios first came out, we were the firm I was with UBS, and I think we did it at NAB, and then Lockland Partners, we were, it was 10, 15, 20% more than a normal portfolio. 
but it was the privilege of having your portfolio managed, your individual portfolio managed by a portfolio manager that you prepared to pay and the expertise that was behind that to pay for it. But also you got access to international IPOs. Not that everyone ever wanted it at this time. You get interested to international private equity, things like, you know, when LinkedIn came out and before Google came out and stuff like that. So you could, you've got a different price offering. So you've got to think about what do you get. I don't think taking clients out for big lunches is the way to win clients over now. And not everyone's not everyone wants that. No, I I uh, I love the uh, I love the concept that you mentioned just then around the idea that people people will sort of buy you before they even meet you because they've read your website or they've seen your videos or whatever it might be. I love the concept of podcasts. I think that uh, you know advisors should have their own podcast. This is a plug for me, you know, promoting that. But uh, that the idea around that is that you know that people get to get their message out there. The the idea um, before people buy them, but also um, some of the things that you mentioned there. Um, Costs and I really like that word costs that you use there around um, what you know the, the cost to work with you the professional cost yeah. that that you charge I think that's a, that's I've done I've seen some research around how that's uh, a much better word to use than fees um, in a financial advice scenario instead of charging your client fees just explaining to your client what the professional costs are um, but also the fact that they people buy people that you sort of mentioned there that uh, people buy people and the and and the rest of it's just all stuff so, so this so this um, I've spent a lot of time around. Oh, I spend a lot of time around unconventional people, full stop. But psychologists and mindset people who is who think slightly differently. So I never do a proposal. I never do a proposal. The moment I send you my document, I class it as an agreement because I've got there's there's nothing else to discuss. We spend all the time discussing, and I you know I when I engage a client, we have a fifteen minute chat, goes to then a thirty minute chat, and then goes to a one hour chat. Right after that, you're either in or you're out. We know we're either going to work together or not. So you get a proposal, you get an agreement for me, and it's titled as an agreement. The fee is classed as the your investment fee. So the investment that you're making in this engagement. And I go through the document, I talk about your investment in this program, your investment in this service is X, your expected outcomes from this investment is X, Y, Z. So I'm very much about ensuring that they're not they I don't ever want it to be a cost. You know, I could be charging X dot X that will make a number. I could be charging ten thousand dollars a month. And people might say that's expensive. I said, well if you want to make a million dollars a year, well it's ten thousand dollars a month get you know, hundred and twenty thousand dollars, you know, you got ten times roughly ten times return, twelve times return. You know, what 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 do you class as expensive is in the behind mind of a beholder. Um, spending half a million dollars on a car seems expensive to us. Well, if you're spending half a million dollars on a car, that only might be 1% of your wealth. So to you, it's not expensive. So what is expensive to us, to individuals, is, is based on perception. So, But understand the value that you're creating and articulate the value that you will deliver. Yep, 100%. And, and we, when we were talking about the networking, you mentioned the, the concept of um, getting somebody else to talk about you rather than it coming from you is Absolutely. that sort of is that sort of a, something that you can use in this space too? Absolutely, you know. I think when you talk about your service and you're offering your service, having clients to talk about their experience and their own experience. You know, if you're talking about um, intergenerational wealth, you want the you want to have people the testimony of people that have gone at the end of that that pathway as well as those that started those pathway you want to know why they picked you out and why they haven't picked you out you know if you're targeting um the 60 plus generation then you want to know you know those that started with you at 55 to those that are still with you at 70 longevity you know i it's really strange that you know if i've got 20 million dollars 
I don't want my money to be advised by someone where I'm at that top of that tree. I want to be advised by people that deal with $20 million clients on a day-in, day-out basis. I don't want to be that special, that only one. And that's if you've got $200,000, the same principle applies. So getting people to talk about why they want to be with you is good. And I suppose I'm I'm probably going to go against what some of my clients are doing at the moment, some of my corporate clients. Uh, I like raw and edited stuff. Sometimes if you've got a, a, a client talking about who you are and it's edited to make it look so, so schmick and everything else, it, it just you lose you lose that authenticity. Just let it be. It doesn't matter if they've got an erm in it or whatever. Just let them speak who they, who they want to speak. Now, if you are having a testimonial, there's two things that are absolutely critical. One is their name, their full name. Two, if they've got a LinkedIn account, to link it to LinkedIn, if it's not on LinkedIn, or, or their organization. There's none of this, Bob57 said XYZ. None of that. So you want to make sure that your testimonials are absolutely valid. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The uh, so We're so used to seeing them now. And one of the things about the testimonial is it's interesting because if it's a testimonial that's on your website, it's kind of like, yeah, of course you're going to put the good ones on there. Um, but we also have the system of a review, like a Google review, right, or a, or a you know other type of review. Uh, you know, visit a five star, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's, I think that's a great way too of being able to promote your business to be able to say, uh, you know, Gordon, thanks for being a, a client of mine. Really appreciate it. Um, you, know, you might want to do a testimonial for me, which I want to, I'm going to get into in a, a bit more in a, in a second. Um, but can you, you know, would you, would you be able to leave me a Google review and give them a, a link and a, a way to that? So, absolutely. So, I can talk about one of my worst testimonials is actually one of my best testimonials. Okay, and I'll explain how that happened. Um, what people don't what people don't often know is when you're asking for a testimony, be very clear what you want them to talk about. I don't want them to say Fraser's a good bloke. So, if, hey Fraser, we've been you know, would you mind leaving a testimony? In particular, you know, what I'd be really grateful for if you could explain you know how you um, how you found Houston, or how you found Gordon Jenkins, how you found Joe Bloggs, how you found you know whatever the organization is, your impression when you first met us what that was and you know you've been with us now for two years can you let us know what you um let us know what you think you know has it has it met your expectations you know and be honest you know what things haven't we done well yep can i can i throw a little uh, piece into this too yeah. um i i love the idea of um you know like you said you know how you found us um so it's exactly what you said there how you found us the impressions when we first met and where we're at now is a story, right? It's a journey that takes, it, it's not just a testimonial, it's a story. Um, but I love the idea of throwing something in there of how they were feeling prior to approaching you. Oh, I was nervous about approaching yeah. you or I was blind because the person who's reading that testimonial can empathize with that testimonial. They go, I'm actually nervous about reaching out. I don't know if I need a financial advisor. I don't need a thing if I, you know, when I first, before I went to this firm, I was thinking, I don't need this. It's not for me. I don't have enough money. But then when I got there, I blah, blah, blah. And then when I met, I was relieved. Yeah. And then now I completely, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm an advocate. You know, that that's the, the journey that you want them to go on. But the, you want them to touch. I think you want them to touch on that nerve that is in the mind of the person who might be reading the testimonial, what they're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. 
Fantastic. Do I get a little passback? No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking uh, if, I, if I copy that, do I need to, do I need to reference uh, phrase that? No, no, it's, uh, just say so you heard it on the podcast. Yeah. So, 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 so testimonials are really important. So I do all my testimonials on LinkedIn. Right? All my, all, I've started now getting Google testimonials, and the reason being because my Google's starting to go up. So I actually I say to people now, I look, I'm after two testimonials. Can you leave me one on LinkedIn? But also Google's becoming a, go- a key part of my business growth. Do you mind doing both? And they go, yeah, so that's so that's no problem. So so they're all on there. So I talked about my worst testimonial, which is my best testimonial. So in 2018, my unfortunately my father passed away. And a couple of months before that, a friend said to me, he says, Gordon, I've never had a coach before. Would you coach me? And I said, yes, but so you understand, you're a friend, but you're still going to pay because there's no free. I don't do any, I only do freebies for women in solvency and my own foundation, maturity. So you are going to pay because you have to feel the value. Um, and at the end of the three months, you'll know then either I am the right coach for you or I'm not the right coach for you. And if I'm not the right coach for you, you'll actually know what you, what type of coach you want. He's fair enough. And then he saw my, my fee and he goes, is that mates rates? I said, no, mate, it's a full rate because I don't do mates rates. You just pay because you get value. I said, you know, when you get a horse and you don't want to pay the full price for a horse, do you expect to get a three-legged horse or a four-legged horse? You get a four-legged horse, right? Okay, then. Um, after about two months, we sat down and it wasn't working. He said to me, Gordon, it's not working. I said, I know it's not working. So that's fair enough. I said, but before we go, write down on a piece of paper on the left-hand side, 10 things you now think you want from a coach and five things you don't want from a coach. We did it. I'll a cup of coffee. I said, now circle three things that are non-negotiable. So circle them. I said, so when you go out to look at different coaches now, those are the three things that you're not going to, six things you're not going to move on. He's gone with another coach, with a coaching group, paying five to six times what my monthly rate was. Remember that he didn't want to pay my, my initial rate. That organization has been a tremendous, has had a massive impact on the growth of his business, a huge impact, more than I would do because they worked on something completely different to what I did. But he says, if unless I would have gone through what I went through you, Gordon, the first thing is I would have said no because of their fees. But because the mindset was, what do I want out of that? It said, again, we go, and he did exactly the same thing for them. He went, he, he committed to a 12-month program, but he said, it's a three-month trial. It's like a three-month probation. If, we do, if it doesn't work, if we don't gel in the first three months, then I want to leave. Now, I know with financial advisors, you can't do that, but you can take the same ideology you can take the idea and adapt it to the business and the way that you the way that you introduce it and I, I would say that part of the ideology is when you talk about what we're going to do for clients the first impression of a client really of a new organization is not the investment it's the onboarding process and if you can't get that onboarding process down pat if you're getting making errors on that onboarding process if people aren't communicating if you're offloading the work into client service teams and they're not really communicating and internal communication is not right, your first impression of that client is going to go downhill straight away. And that's going to be really hard to recover from. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the onboarding process as a whole. <laughs> yeah, like you said, that's the whole first impression piece, and there's, and you can break that into a uh, you know six thousand different s- small pieces, or you can or you can uh, get that. Uh, that's probably probably even got time to cover all of that today, but. <laughs> Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, bring up and have a chat to you about was the concept around, and, and this is, um, I guess, uh, it, we've had a couple of conversations around it, actually around the idea of, you know, um, compliments and appreciation and, and, and showing that um, 
uh, as you said, you mentioned the idea of authenticity and bringing this into the into the conversation. So I haven't read a book on this. I haven't listened to podcasts. This is the way that I was brought up to say thank you. Go back to my sporting coach. You know, after playing badminton, he said the first thing you do when you're badminton when you finish, you turn around to, you, to if you're playing with a doubles partner, you go and you shake their hand, and then you go over to the captain of the team and you say thank you. Um, thank you for your team. And then you go over to the team manager and the team coaches, and there's usually three, four coaches, and you shake every single one of those hands and you say, thank you for being present today. Thank you for being present. And it's really clear. Thank you for being present. And that has stuck with me all the time. Thank you for being invested. So when you when you say to someone, how are you? You pause and you expect to listen back to them and their comments back. So there's a, a large accounting group and they have the word appreciation as one of their values. And one of the ladies I coach um, is really big about this appreciation. She got an email from someone in a, that she didn't know within this organization, thousands of people. And she, he went, I just took all my emails and I've got 4,000 emails. So they're an accounting firm, so you can tell they never delete their emails. There's only one email with a word appreciation in it and it came from you. Now that was massively powerful for her. So what did she do? She picked up the phone and had a conversation with this person she's never, ever spoken to. She didn't actually even remember what she actually said appreciated for. So she actually said, I don't actually remember what I did. So being appreciated and saying thank you is is something. And you can say thank you in other ways. You can say thank you to, as a general email, you can go up to people and say thank you. You can pick them out in Teams meetings and say thank you. I appreciate your work. You know, you know we talked about it before. Right? Google 100 ways to say thank you and 100 ways to say appreciate you. <laughs> some of them are a bit crass. You know, some of them but use them all the time. In my drawer, I've got thank you cards. I handwrite thank you cards. I've got congratulation cards. I handwrite congratulation cards. I tend not to send emails. Okay, I'm always looking to differentiate myself. When you take clients on to functions and the partner's staying at home, what do you do for that partner? When you go into the football match and your partner's, and the partner's going, you know, you're going for a lunch or a football match or you're going out to a football match or something like that or a long lunch and you're taking one of the partners but the other partner's staying at home. What do you do for that partner? You know, re- do you send them a bunch of flowers or some scones or a bottle of wine? So, look, I really appreciate both of you being clients. I know that Jane's out for lunch with us and Bob's staying at home, okay? Those little things go millions of miles. What happens is they actually start talking to their friends about this. And you get that network. The best networking happens when you're actually not doing networking when other people are talking about you without you even knowing. Yeah. So the same appreciation and thank you is really important. I'm not a big fan of employee of the month, although I do always believe there are winners and losers and that's life. But if we are having employees of the month, I believe that everyone is an employee. So yes, the CEO can win the award. Absolutely. And and I'll just throw my two cents worth in here on the appreciation of the month or the employee of the month thing. I think it's great if you're getting if you nominate particular people to then award that to somebody. Yes. So everyone gets a turn at nominating who they think should win the award, and then they get to give the whatever the, the thing is uh, and say why they're appreciating that person. So, so we talk a lot about advising the services they give to clients. I just want to talk one thing about appreciation. Thank you. I have my own business. No one ever awards me employee of the month. But every single year, I go out for dinner and congratulate myself on being employee of the year. And this is the thing for solo entrepreneurs. But the other thing I do is every fortnight, I have a date night with my wife. Okay, Between 6 o'clock and 8.30, she has her own resilience business. Between 6 and 8.30, we switch the phones off. I take, we don't, I, I've got an Instagram, a foodie Instagram page, so I take pictures on it. But we don't take client calls. 
But between 6 and 8.30, that's the time that we're investing in each other to say, I appreciate the support you've given me this the last couple of weeks. I appreciate you. And we don't talk about business, but we talk about fun things that we're going to do. So when we talk about appreciation, it's not just about other staff and our clients. It's also about our loved ones, but it's also time to recognize our own what we've achieved ourselves as well, because sometimes we are our worst enemies that we don't, we appreciate everything else, but we never actually think back and go, hell yeah, I've had a pretty good week. Yeah. All right. Let's go and celebrate. Let's go and appreciate. Let's go and appreciate. I've had a hell of a bloody week because of all the hard work I've put in over the last six weeks or eight weeks. So let's, so you don't always have to be appreciated by other people. Sometimes it's just as much to be appreciate yourself. Yeah, well, c- congratulations on being Employee of the Year every year. Well done. Um, <laughs> but uh, but look, I think it's one of the things that you sort of skipped over there, which I think is quite important as well, is the fact that it's in your diary. Yes. It's, that non-negotiable. it's non-negotiable. It's in my diary and it's non-negotiable. I hate it when people say to me, um, you know, Gordon, do you mind if I shift the meeting? I've got another client meeting. Yeah, okay, let's just not do it. Well, yeah, but no, I've got another client. No, no, what you've told me is I'm not important. You've told me that something is more important than me. Don't tell me you've got another client meeting. Tell me you've got a medical emergency, you've got a family emergency. Don't tell me you've got another client meeting or you're off to a staff function or something like that because it's just devalued what I am. No one's going to argue if you've got a medical emergency because it's sick of school, I've had to run home. Just, I know it's lying, but don't tell me you cancelled <laughs> my meeting for another client because you told me that I'm not of value. Yep. <laughs> couldn't, agree, couldn't agree more. It comes back to that, uh, but uh, but look, I think uh, I think this appreciation thing is a, is a really big piece. Um, the, in the previous episode um, of the podcast, I spoke to uh, Peter Diamantidis, and we talked about the concept again at networking of, of just uh, having some compliments uh, and appreciation up your sleeve, ready to go, um, and having that uh, a little bit of preparation around that, and just going, look, if I'm walking into a meeting here, it's going to be four, three or four people in the meeting, or whatever it might be. Uh, I'm just going to remember a couple of things that these people have done for me in the past. And um, if I get the opportunity, I'll slip in the appreciation piece. So meeting is really important. So when you start a meeting, you say to people in meetings, look, I really, I know everyone's really busy. I really appreciate your time here. The meeting scheduled for an hour. I'm hoping to get everything done in 45 minutes. The reason we've got an hour is just in case we've got 15 minutes overlay at the 45 minute area. I'm going to call a 45 minute. I'm going to call it. And we're going to see what we need to do in those next seven or eight minutes and what needs to be carried over. Straight away, you are saying you respect other people's time in this meeting. There's nothing worse than having an hour and a half, an hour meeting go for an hour and a half. Okay. So appreciation, it's, it, but also, also you're setting the standards, right? You're setting the standards by which you expect meetings to be held to. And it also means that when you go into meetings, people know you're going in. So you're expecting the same type of respect that you're giving them. So it comes back to time management, right? And it also it also brings me back to what you just said about your badminton coaches to walk up to somebody and say thank you for being present. Yeah, thank you for turning up. Thank you for being present. There are no meetings I go in today unless it's for medical reasons. That I allow mobile phones to be on to use that. Now, when I'm doing workshops, yes, I like mobile phones because everyone can take a mobile you know picture for social media. That's okay. But if you if you're there. When people start fiddling on the phone, I stop. I say, no, no, obviously you've got something more important to do. So do it. You know, my time is valuable. If you don't, my time is valuable. Right? That's an hour that I'm never going to get back. An hour you never get back. I'd rather go out for a cup of coffee and spend that hour thinking about my own, looking at my own mindset and looking at my own self-worth than sitting in an hour with you where, you just, where you'd rather be on your mobile phone. Now, because I have a sick wife, you know, thankfully Wendy's better now, but I used to go into meetings. I said, I know mobiles are off. But my mobile is on because I might be getting a call from the hospital to tell my wife's dying. 
right? So if it comes up on a private number, that's why I'm going to get it. So I lay the expectations in that meeting. Oh, so do you want to be here, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here. So what's happened to your wife? Well, you know, she's going to have a double lung transplant, but, you know, that's all about that's also doing networking, about making things count because we're going to make things work today. That's going to be really quickly because I'm not going to get involved in all the BS theory. We're just going to do things that are actionable. So again, you're tying, you're tying everything in. So set the standards where you, you know, set the standards going through. None of, none of this is rocket science to me. Some of it's very unconventional the way we think. And I think the way we think is because we're tainted by a very traditional way of learning. And the very traditional way of learning is we go to school, we go to college, we go to university, we read textbooks, we power fashion textbooks into exam papers, we get a degree, it's on the wall. It's very technically savvy but not very streetwise. So technically savvy, and this comes back to, I want to know who you are and know what you are. Right. I, I take it you're a good financial advisor because you've got nice certificates on the wall, and if not, you've got some insurance that will cover both of us. So now I want to know whether I want to, whether I like you, whether I'm going to actually pick up the phone, whether I think it's someone I'm going to introduce you to, whether it's someone I want in my life. That's what I want to know. Fantastic. Gordon, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate you giving up uh, your time to bring your unconventional uh, gold nuggets of wisdom to, to us today. Uh, thank, so thank you so much. Uh, I want to congratulate you too on winning the award that you've just won for um, with Women in Insolvency. I know that was uh, that's, that's a big deal and I know you're uh, secretly very proud of that and uh, I think we should be publicly noted that uh, it's a very proud moment. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, now, Gordon, if somebody wants to get hold of you and continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, so my website is very simply, IamGordonJenkins.com. So on there, they can find me. Uh, social media, you just type in Gordon Jenkins or I am Gordon Jenkins. Um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm a, I'm a bold guy in a blue suit. <laughs> so yeah, so pro- professionally, we can find you on LinkedIn uh, yeah. with the with the with the uh, odd blue shoes and the rubber ducks. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you're a foodie and you want to, <laughs> you can might be able to find you on Instagram by the sound of it. Yeah. So so that's it. Look, and um, you know, anyone that's listening, that's you know, some of the you know, I've I've listened to some of your podcasts before, and I've connected with some some people that made that have been on your podcast. And I've, I've built up some fantastic friendships and relationships, you know, some that you know very well, Fraser, on the back of that and some great business opportunities. And the first thing comes from having a conversation. So I just want to put that, if someone just wants to have a conversation, let's start off and have a conversation. The worst conversation is a conversation we never have. So if someone just wants to have a chat t- t- to me, you know, if I, if I can help you without actually engaging, I'm going to help you. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure some of the stuff we've talked about today is very helpful for the listeners. So, uh, so yeah, so I second that idea. It's a very, uh, very appreciative of your time. And um, I look forward to chatting to you again very soon. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Emily Blanche. Hey, Em. Hey, Fraser. How are you doing? I'm tremendous. Thank you for asking. It's been another uh, great episode and we're here to do another great shout out to one of the members of our community. Yes, we are. So today I would love to give a shout out to XY member Rob Wary. He kicked off a great discussion on active versus passive investing. Uh, It really came around his share of the Spiva report. Uh, and this kicked off some awesome um, comments, um, people adding in other areas or things, places that they go to to find great research. 
um, advisors were sharing their investment philosophies and their methodologies and what they use in their businesses. Um, and other advisors were adding value and sharing some other PDFs and, and resources that they've used to um, support the research that they do for their clients. So thank you, Rob, for sparking a fantastic discussion. And thank you to everyone who got involved and really, um, yeah, made a really valuable, valuable discussion uh, on the platform. 